Welcome to Making Waves, a radio program about sound art, produced by New Adventures in Sound Art. On today's show, we're featuring Matt Rogalski, Canadian sound artist based in Kingston, Ontario. Last August, he performed his work Navigating the Pen at the Sound Travels Festival of Sound Art in Toronto. And today's show, we're going to listen to an interview that was done by Michael Palumbo prior to that concert, and then uh, we'll listen to performance of Navigating the Pen following the interview. This is Making Waves, which is a monthly program heard on WGXC, produced by New Adventures in Sound Art. Hi. Hi there. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you doing? Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, it's been a combination of uh, work on this trip, and and in the last few days, mostly chilling out and walking in the mountains uh, in the alpine region around... Uh, Salfelden. Where, where is that? Where, like, what? Uh, what country? Um, southwest of Salzburg. Oh yeah. Yeah. Is this uh, is this a common place for? Like, do you go there often? Or? No, not at all. Uh, oh, yeah? The reason why we're here is, well, partly because in Salzburg I went to uh, help a little bit with an with a, an exhibition that's being set up, which is uh, involves some of David Tudor's work. Oh yeah. And uh, it's it's a it's a big exhibition focusing on experiments in art and technology. The group from the '60s and '70s that sort of pioneered a lot of artist-engineer collaborations, and uh, people like Robert Rauschenberg were involved. So that was that was nice to go there for a couple of days. And then our friends offered us a flat to stay in in this little town in Hinterthal, which is where I actually am. So I couldn't we couldn't pass up a a great. Uh, place to stay in a beautiful region for a few days that's uh yeah that's really special when you say we are is there a few of you oh there? my wife and i yeah, yeah we're collaborating on on a project that was actually at the start of our trip we were in london uh co-presenting in a conference to do with a um a sort of sonic geographies research project that we're doing which focuses on the life and work of a canadian field recordist named william wh gunn He's he's not well known. Uh, at least today, he's not. But he was super influential. If you start digging into his work, it's it's actually pretty amazing what he did. But he to, these days he's not a common name unless unless you're into birdsong, in which case you you would probably have come across his name. There's not much available, but we hope to change that. <laughs> what are some things that uh, about his work that really strike you? Um, well, he was uh, f- you know from the first days that you could get a good portable field recording device, a tape, tape recorder, reel-to-reel. He had one and was out, you know, recording environmental sound in Ontario a lot, but also around the world. He worked with CBC and was on their documentary team, so he traveled all around the world recording environmental sound for documentaries. And so The, the Nature of Things was a program he was connected right. with for many, many years. So we were in touch with his widow, Who's a very interesting person in her own right. She's a, a film editor, and she she also worked on Nature of Things for a long time. What's her name? She has his Lucy Gunn. The name she worked under was Robin Lucy Robin. She's okay. uh, originally from France, came to Canada through England, eventually wound up working for the CBC. Yeah, she's she's pretty old, 
and uh, we're fortunate to have had a couple of chances to interview her, and she, she has a lot of guns tape library mm-hmm. still at her house in these gigantic Studer tape recorders in her bedroom. You and your wife have been lucky enough to be able to access some of these, these archives. Well, yeah, we're, we're digging in and uh, trying to find you know, what, what, is, what is kept where. A lot of his uh, birdsong recordings are at Cornell in the Macaulay uh, Environmental Sound Li- Archive. So if you go to the Macaulay Library, it's easy to find his, some of his recordings. But there's a lot more that may be stored in other places, like the CBC. And then Lucy has a lot that we don't think is duplicated anywhere else. There's something here that I'm, I'm sort of curious about. Okay. Digging through somebody else's archives, is there something that you know you're looking for in particular, or is it that you're, you don't know what you're looking for until you find it? When I've used archival materials, it's been you know different from case to case, but yeah. sometimes, a lot of the time, it's been just sort of exploratory. You know, like mm-hmm. when I did work on David Tudor and went to the Getty uh, Research Institute in uh, Los Angeles, it was a question of just requesting box after box and just going mm-hmm. through it page by page and making a lot of notes. In the case of personal archives, like I've, I've, I've tapped into a lot of people's private papers and had a lot of help from like Tudor's colleagues and, uh, you know, they, they always, you know, have very specific archives that maybe focus on uh, certain events that they were connected with or sometimes I'll go in with a specific question in mind, but often it's more exploratory and just seeing where it leads me. I'm wondering if there are similarities between that type of exploratory or that exploration and the piece that you're doing with uh, sound travels when you mm-hmm. went into the penitentiary. Mm-hmm. Is there a similar feeling as you're going through? Hmm. Well, I mean, this the piece as I've uh, sort of plotted it out is um, definitely exploratory. Hmm. Well, as you know, King, I live in Kingston, Ontario. Right. Uh, I've been living there for more than 10 years now, so... Uh, I feel quite connected to the place. Kingston is known as a town that supports, you know, uh, major employers such as the military, acad- academia, and prisons. Right? Prisons mm-hmm. are are well well known to be connected with Kingston. They're scattered around, and the the infamous one was the Kingston Penitentiary or KP, which uh, was closed by the federal government a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and all the inmates were dispersed to the other overcrowded prisons. And then this, so this place is sitting empty on the waterfront. It's uh, it's an amazing location. And for a time, there were public tours given. They were paid tours, and it benefited the uh, United Way, I think. So there was there was an opportunity for limited time for people to walk through and have have a guided tour. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, it sold out really fast. But my wife, Laura Cameron, uh, investigated uh, being a volunteer on the tours and sure enough it was relatively easy to get a position as a volunteer so mm-hmm. she did that and I, did, I signed up too and I went in just for an, for an afternoon and they gave me um, well the first thing they said was uh, well we don't really have anything for you to do so you should just take a tour hmm. so I just joined one of the groups and did the tour and then after the tour there was still really nothing for me to do so I was just kind of on a break hmm. And I had brought my really simple field recording equipment, just a, a Zoom recorder. And I brought some balloons along because uh, wherever I go, I'm collecting impulse responses. And I find them like the best kind of snapshot of a place, you know? I never I never take video, for instance, mm. but I, I'm keen on getting impulse responses. Right. The idea, uh, for anybody who might not know, is that 
you can document the acoustics of a space pretty simply and kind of crudely uh, a little bit, but um, there's fancy ways to do it and there's less fancy ways. And I'm using less fancy ways, which is uh, popping a balloon in a space. So you record the sound of a, an impulse, the balloon pop, mm -hmm. and the space echoes or reverberates in response. And that recording can then be used uh, to digitally convolve with other sounds to give those other sounds the character of being in that space. Right. And it can be pretty vivid. Uh, so I use this a lot. I use it in a lot. I've been collecting these for years now. They pop up in like pop music recordings that I've produced for other people. Mm -hmm. I use them in, in my own sort of more sound art practice. So uh, while I was on this break in KP, I went around in, in some of the, the, the cell blocks, the different uh, uh, the ones that were accessible, and I asked the volunteers who were working there if they would mind if I recorded these balloon pops. And mm -hmm. they thought, well... You know, it's un, it's like a weird request, yeah. but it didn't. They didn't seem to be disturbed by it. So I, I went around and managed to document. Can I uh, can I interject there? Do, yeah, do sure. you? How often do you get a concerned response from people who don't know what you're talking about? Or I mean, most mostly I don't have to ask people's permission because I, I'd be doing it in a, a space that I'm I'm the only person in, for right. instance. So it's it's pretty rare that uh, that I feel like I need to ask anyone's permission or warn anyone that I'm about to pop a balloon. Yeah. Like on this trip through Austria right now, I've been doing churches. And uh, typically, you know, you'll go into a country church and you have it all to yourself. There's nobody there. Yeah. And it doesn't disturb anyone to pop a balloon. Uh, but not so in KP because there are lots of volunteers hanging around. So I, I, I warned them and I said, you know, would, it, would, you, would you mind if I pop some balloons and recorded the sound? And they didn't have a problem with it. So I started doing it. And I managed to get about 12 different spaces, like ranging from small cells to slightly larger cells that would be for disabled inmates to, you know, the whole cell ranges. There's a central area in the prison, which is kind of, you know, because the prison is kind of on this panopticon model where you have a central guard post. Yeah, right. So, And then the last place uh, I did, I was running out of balloons anyway, but I, I went into a stairwell where the door had been propped open, but I quickly found out that I had ventured into a space that was off-limits, <laughs> and I was recalled to the front desk of the prison, and I was escorted off the property by the last remaining corrections officer at the prison. So I didn't get to do as much as I wanted there. Yeah. Um, and I did, I have, you know, I took advantage of the situation in a way, but I didn't think I was harming anybody. So mm. anyway, so I ended up with these impulse responses, which document all these acoustic spaces, which are all, you know, quite, as you can probably imagine, reverberant, the concrete walls and, you know, large open spaces in the cell ranges. So they're really lovely, and I've used them a bunch of times. Uh, I used them in a, in a few different places on this rock band's record out of Kingston called P.S. I Love You, which is on paperback records in yeah, Toronto. Yeah. Right. So I produce several records for them, and the last one had these cool. prison impulse responses on a few songs. Huh. And, and then I, I really wanted to use them in a, in a piece that would allow me to more like explore the space, explore the, the spaces virtually, and, and, and sort of thematically, uh, you know, think, ponder these, you know, the, the carceral spaces, the, the spaces of imprisonment, and think about 
in a way, humanizing these inhumane spaces. Yeah, mm. I mean, it's really like the stories from KP. If you've ever, if you've ever heard about what went on there, it's it's mm. like horrific. It must be terrible. Yeah. Um. So there's something about those resonances that's evocative. You know, that 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 holds something of that history. So I'm, in this piece, I want to use these impulse responses. You know, meditation on the prison. The conceit of the piece is that I'm I'm going to be able to sort of wander around the prison using a a, a Wacom tablet that's a, like a drawing tablet, right? Um, with using the pen to navigate a floor plan of the prison. So having mapped the impulse responses to different points on the floor plan, I'll be able to sort of move between them and and explore the space. So in that sense, it's just it's exploratory, right? Right. Um, and I'll be able to introduce sounds into those spaces as I go in an improvisational way. And is this, uh, maybe I missed it, but is this is this being set up in the in KP? Or this is what you're... Oh, no, no, at, this uh, is totally virtual. It's virtual acoustic, I, yeah. The K- KP is, uh, is closed again. It, it, right. I don't know the, when the next time will, will be that it's open or if there'll be any possibility of doing artist projects. Right. But no, this, this is, I'm describing the piece that I'm going to do on your concert. Yeah. And uh, so the idea is to be able to navigate the different acoustic spaces of the prison uh-huh. and introduce sounds into those spaces in a way to, well, partly in a hopefully non-corny way to evoke the experience mm-hmm. of being in KP as a, mm-hmm. as a prisoner. If you've ever seen photographs of the, of the building, the buildings, there's um, windows with bars, of course, but mm-hmm. those windows would have been open during hot times of the year. And all of the sounds from the waterfront would have come in, right? The, right. R- right next to the prison is the Portsmouth Olympic Harbor, where they had the rowing or yachting races um, huh. in the in the Montreal Olympics. Yeah. So um, what I've done is to um, collect a lot of sounds from the perimeter of the prison. So that that was those were spaces that I could easily access over the last few months, and I've been sort of going down there regularly and gathering environmental sounds. So part of the piece will involve almost, you know, kind of soundscape approach to composition in which uh, these environmental sounds can be brought into the prison and to, to reverberate within the prison environment. Now, I had, I had previously sent a demo of uh, an idea I, I was working on which used much more electronic sound, hmm. feedback, feedback-y kind of oscillators, okay. chattering, chattering away, um, and using those sounds in the, in the prison spaces. That that idea kind of remains, but it's been now blended with the idea of uh, bringing these sounds from outside the walls inside the walls. And it's I think that's a, there's an interesting point there as well when you refer to how do you make an inhumane space humane? Physically, you were the only human in that space when you were recording those impulse responses. Uh, yeah, except yet, for those volunteers, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, and, and the volunteers, right? And you're all volunteer, you're all, it's all voluntary that you're there. Yes. And yet I suppose when we're at Sound Travels, um, the environments that you impose on us are of your own choice and not ours. And maybe hmm. there's something okay. there. Yeah. It, um, I think probably by the time the concert date rolls around, I will have more of a structure to hmm. work within. Because typically what I what I like to do uh, is have it make keep it improvisational but sort of make an overarching form mm-hmm. so i'm I'll probably it'll probably be 
much more composed than it is now. Right now, it's just kind of ex- exploring. Yeah, yeah, but, right. But it won't it won't necessarily literally be just a full on improvisation. That there'll be an idea of trajectory, and you know, w- w- different sounds introduced at different times. And yeah, and in in uh, in preparing that, because um, I mean, right now you have you have mm-hmm. some elements which are the impulse responses, and you have some mm-hmm. of the um, the source materials, so it's, uh, mm-hmm. instruments or other um, a- uh, environmental sounds that you picked up on. Um, mm-hmm. So you have those at your disposal, and now you're you're talking about putting together some kind of a structure. Is that is that often mm-hmm. how you work? Well, yeah, like like I say, I mean, I I think it's it's just uh, sometimes it's like just strictly improvisatory, mm. and that's fine. Sure, um, but I think it. I sometimes feel more comfortable if I have. A structure, particularly if time is limited, and I want to make sure that I, you know, do you know what I want to do within that time. So, right. in, like this is a concert where I have a, li- a, a limited amount of time, so right. I'll probably, I'll probably have more of a structure in mind. Yeah. But uh, but within that, all the detail is still improvised. Right. I'm curious about once you've returned home with your impulse responses, will you have already documented in some way or labeled each impulse response or I wonder if naming them, you know, room 2A, 2B, as you mm-hmm. go through room 2A and 2B, mm-hmm. if that's what you do, does that mm-hmm. affect how you use them in the end, or are they all just well, nameless I, Im- I mean, like, I, I sort of feel like, you know, I have a little bit of emotional uh, attachment to these yeah. as I'm making them, and it uh, doesn't matter, you know, where I've made them, but it's like a vivid reminder to me of the, of the place I was at a yeah. particular time. And so I, I try to uh, take photographs okay. of the spaces so that I can link that with the impulse response, particularly mm-hmm. if I want to share it with other people. Yeah. And uh, in fact, the, the KP uh, impulse response set is available as uh, under the Creative Commons license. So any anybody who wants them can have them. And they're they're. I tried to be you know uh, not exactly exhaustive, but to give at least an impression of what the spaces were. So I have photographs and um, I, I think uh, I'm not, I'm not sure I've, I've posted the link on, you know, places at different places at various times. Like I sent it out to the, the CEC discuss mailing list once and I put it on Facebook a couple of times, you know, yeah. but uh, back to like, you know, organizing and documenting. I, I try to, I try to be really specific about labeling files and such just because there's so much, data you know there's so many so much stuff that it's easy for things to get lost or forgotten mm-hmm. or you know so I, I try to when things are important or meaningful I'll, I'll organize them quite well mm-hmm. and so that I, I know where they are and I can find them easily again <laughs> yeah that's very interesting having mm-hmm. having that connection visually mm-hmm. and, and orally I actually like uh, you know I, I carry around a little zoom recorder one of their H, H2 is it H2N H2N yeah a lot of you know field recorders think that they're you know not really up to snuff, but I find them super useful, and, yeah. and I especially like the fact that if I'm recording an impulse response in a space, I can get two for one because it has the two sets of microphones pointing in different directions, definitely, um, with different angles and so on. So I find that that's what I do most of it with, just because I don't have the time or the energy to carry around bulkier equipment. So. Right, and if you're under the risk of getting kicked out of a place, you may as well make your time. <laughs> well, that's true. I mean, I don't want to, you know, take more than a few seconds to do it because right. I might actually bother someone. 
Um, I, I'm, I am actually, I'm carrying on this trip, carrying much more, much better equipment, but I'm still using the Zoom for a lot of things. Do you keep the Zoom on you all at all times? Uh, uh, yeah, I have. I have been keeping it with me um, pretty much all the time and getting little, not just impulse responses, but sort of audio snapshots of, of different locations. Hmm. I think I might I might uh, start doing that, you know. I, I, uh, I very rarely take photos, but uh, mm-hmm. but I'm really drawn to this idea of taking impulse responses. Um, mm-hmm. um, a friend of mine was in the sound recording program at McGill, um, and uh, the director of the program, Vislav, uh, is working has been working on for the past couple of years a virtual acoustic system in their uh, their large mm-hmm. uh, studio space, mm-hmm. and it's 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 uncanny. It's incredible. It's um, they have a, a lots of an array of small microphones floating above the above this sort of carpeted area, and then um, uh, I believe hemispherical speakers of some kind. Um, right. So but they, they so they radi- they radiate sound all over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's um, it's a virtual acoustic system, so they're cool. they're they're loading in impulse responses, and structurally, there's no sort of you know physical barrier. I guess you know it's just it's mm-hmm. open air. But if you're sort of outside of it, you don't really get an effect. But when you walk in, it, it is indeed like you're in any of the impulse response uh, that's that's very cool i would spaces. i'd like to experience that yeah yeah you should get in touch with them they're uh <laughs> they're they're i think they're well i can't speak for them but i knew that they were pretty excited to be showing it to people so okay great yeah there's a, there's a new concert hall in kingston that was built um the sound design was by um gosh what are they called out of new york city um i'm blanking on the name they have a room in New York City where they virtually model their concert halls before they build them, really? and they invite they invite the clients down to experience the concert hall. Yeah, as it will be. Apparently, it's very vivid and convincing. At least you know it's a good it's a good sales sales pitch. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what Wallace co- Sabian would say the, about that. <laughs> the concert hall that came out of it is is super amazing. So, oh yeah, yeah. So it really speaks to it. It really works. Well, I, I'm. I'm. You mentioned also that you're excited to come here and and play with the the NASA spatialization. Well, Darren has Darren has described the the speaker setup that will be available to us for this concert, mm-hmm. and it's you know it's totally flexible and um, should be marvelous to experiment with. Yeah. You no, know, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, and as I say, you know, with this drawing tablet, you know, it, it's a it's a wonderfully flexible instrument because you you know you have so many degrees of uh, exploration that are possible using not only the location of the pen but the pressure mm-hmm. tilt in several directions and then you know combinations of all those things and there's you know buttons and things that are on the on the pen itself so I'm still figuring out how how to best make use of all those parameters but I, I I'll be really interested to see how I can map those gestures to the speaker's space that you have. Right. Well, I'll be there. I'm. I'd, I'd be really curious yeah, to chatting with you afterwards and seeing well, what your uh, your assumptions versus what you experienced and what what you made of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, great. I'm looking forward to hanging out with you and everybody else at this at the symposium. And sure. And if I can ask one last question, it's it's something that sure. that kind of burned at me earlier, and I was. <laughs> Kind of curious. Do you use the same balloon every time, or same balloons, or do you blue? <laughs> no, do- no, no. It's just uh, there's. It's totally non-scientific. Yeah. Uh, it's it's kind of crude, as I said, yeah. but it's effective. It's effective, and yeah. uh, 
you know, so I just, you know, dollar store balloons. Yeah. And do you blow them up to just, the same capacity or is it just? Um, yeah, approximately. Approximately. Yeah. Yeah. Great. I carry, I carry a couple of thumbtacks to, you know, <laughs> pop them. So I love the thought. I love the thought of you going into the security at the prison and assuming they have some kind of somebody checking your pockets and you have balloons, thumbtacks and microphones. <laughs> yeah. Well, they didn't act, they didn't actually search anybody going in for those tours, but sure. um, I got to meet the last remaining prison guard. You did, right? You got a special part of the tour. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Cool. All right, well, thank you, Matt. Okay. Have a good day. All right. Good night. Take good care, night. Michael. Thank you. Bye. Bye. You were just listening to Michael Palumbo in conversation with sound artist Matt Rogalski. As promised, uh, here is Matt Rogalski's performance from the Sound Travels Festival from last August. This is Navigating the Pen, recorded live at the Witchwood Theatre in Toronto.
You've been listening to Making Waves, heard once a month on WGXC. This program is produced in Toronto by New Adventures in Sound Art. And to take us out, here is a track from Matt Rogalski's CD, Memory Like Water, which was released on XI Records in New York. And uh, this is Cash, featuring himself, along with his two brothers, Ben and Luke, on guitars. <laughs>